How we doing, people? It's Matty Boy Whitmore. It's Fear Food Radio. And we've got the good old Dr. Tommy Wood on the show once again. How are we doing, Tommy? I'm good, thanks. How are you? Where's your American accent? <laughs> uh, still working on it. I, I lost my American accent when I was like four years old because I didn't have one previously. But it will come back. I thought we'd at least uh, had a, tw- a little twang by now. Yeah, not yet. Like, hey, y'all. <laughs> morning y'all I, w- I won't insult my uh, new countrymen by attempting an American accent do they like your English accent do they comment on that a lot so Elizabeth and I went and bought uh, furniture for our new house the other day so we went into Pottery Barn as you do <laughs> and, and so Elizabeth had like spoken to the woman before and then she was like going around showing us all this stuff and I was just like, oh, yeah, okay, oh, yeah. And so she didn't really notice. And then at some point I said, like, three, four sentences, and she actually just, like, sat down on the sofa and was like, <laughs> say that again. <laughs> it's so funny, though, isn't it? Because I always thought it was like, because, um, you know, when, like, Hugh Grant was a was a thing, you know, and I always thought, you know, this whole English accent thing was just a load of, I don't know, just kind of like, like a cheesy stereotype thing. And it was more so that kind of, like, the people that they normally refer to, like Hugh Grant, just happened to be pretty rich actors as well. It wasn't necessarily just yeah. the accent. And, and I haven't even, even... It's not exactly like I'm the most well-spoken of, um, of, of people anyway. Like, well, you know, it's not like a I'm shining a, example of Queen's like English. An English <laughs> gents, you know. and, um, and it was the same when I first went to, to DC. Um, and I was like, my God, this is insane. But then you kind of almost subconsciously play on it a little bit. You know, and well, I was the way like, women would like taking to sofas when they saw you. Like I went into Starbucks and ordered a coffee, and she was like, "Oh my god, your accent!" And I was like, I "Just want a black filtered coffee, love." <laughs> you know, and, and it was amazing. Like, and I was just like, "Okay." Yeah, but you think it's the same for like a really thick northern accent, like Manchester or something? Would it be the same? Old who? <laughs> Grande caramel frappuccino, please, sweethearts. I don't know that it's got the same ring to it. No. <laughs> Uh, sorry. <laughs> I, I think you should get um, over here. I always get mistaken for an Australian, so I don't know why. Yeah, do you know I, I get mistaken as an Australian? Oh, really? By by English people. <laughs> yeah, it does. But you have you have a phrase you say at the end of a sentence that is quite Australian. What is that? I can't remember what it is. I just say a. Good a. <laughs> no, it's not. Like, Good a, mate. Yeah, you do. You say a, isn't it? A. a. <laughs> yeah, but that's not like you like. An Australian word. No, but the only other person I know that does that is an Australian guy. It's like uh, a hey, very yeah, maybe because I, I this is a bizarre start to a yeah, podcast. It is a bizarre start. We, we have Dr. Tommy Wood on the show, and we're talking about accents and, it's and whatnot. It's, it's got to be relevant somewhere. Um, but anyway, why are you on the show, Tommy? What, what are we going to talk about today? <laughs> word on the street is you've been busy doing stuff, making stuff. I've, um, I've got Parker, he's really, he really wants attention. Right? Oh, you've got a dog now, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so he's, if anybody hears any, like, stomping around on the ground, <laughs> he got really excited behind me. On, um, on the last podcast we did, Hamish was dreaming, so for the whole thing, all you could hear is, oof, 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 <laughs> like, all the way through the podcast, yeah. so we're like, just to let you know, that's the dog. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so, let me see, it's been a few months since we last spoke, so... Yeah, uh, bought my first house. Well, Elizabeth bought our first house. Um, <laughs> a glorified lodger, um, or I will be. And yeah, you settled, then, have you like, settled like, into more, American more... life there. You settled into the, you settled into the American way of life. Yeah, I think so. I really like it here. Seattle's really nice. Um, it's kind of it's kind of like most of the places I've lived so far. I guess it rains a lot. Um, it's fairly green. People are fairly liberal. Um, so yeah, it kind of feels like home, but with an American accent. Is it quite easy, city, easy to be right? like a kind of? I won't, don't want to say the word like paleo, paleo-ish, like healthy slash mildly keto at times slash whatever it is you're doing right now. Or is it? Yeah. Is that quite common out there? More so than um, UK or anywhere? Yeah, else? I think so. So they have here, particularly in the Pacific. So like. Washington and Oregon states, they have a lot more like naturopathic medicine. One of the main naturopathic um, medicine universities is here in Seattle, uh, Bastia University. If if people have heard of people like Ben Lynch, he went there. Uh, I've heard of Peter Dadamo, he he invented uh, the blood type diet. So he's a little bonkers, but he went there too. (laughs) Uh, So it's that kind of, yeah, there is a bit of a feel of that around here. So I think it's, I mean, it means that people are more, you know, open-minded about things. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 
But it's funny, like, because um, I, I suppose to a degree, like, because what we think, I suppose, paleo-ish or, dare I say, clean eating, which people love to call it for whatever reason, um, but you kind of go to America and it's just like amplified like everything I mean I know New York is just in a kind of world of its own in that sense but like when we was in New York we were almost a bit like you don't really have an excuse to kind of blame like lack of choice for being massively overweight here like don't get me wrong you've got plenty of options to put yourself in a calorie surplus when you're in America but at the same time we were like there's so many places where you can actually get really good nutritious yeah. tasty food like the, big, really the biggest difference those. was the portion size like a starter was ama- <laughs> the starter was amazing for me out there like i kept ordering starters and then i gave up and i was like i'm either going to order a starter as a main or not order one at all there was, they're there, huge they were. you have to but you have to remember that most most people so when you go to dinner uh, with people out here and it's it's pretty unheard of in the uk is they'll take like half of their meal home um, yeah you know, like there'll be a to-go box and so, like, nobody or very few people that I eat with over here will eat the whole meal. They'll <laughs> always... Because there's literally a whole other meal that yeah. they can take yeah. home as leftovers. So that's that's the that's the general etiquette. It's just, just me, then, that was, like, woman versus food every night. <laughs> like, oh, here, we, here we go again. I didn't know I could take it home. <laughs> Which, do you know the only time I've ever been defeated by a meal was in New York and it was that pizza do you remember oh god yeah it was about oh my good lord the, the, the way you had to bring another like table car. <laughs> because the pizza couldn't fit on the table with us and you know drinks and Keris's dinner so I had to have the pizza on the table next to us and I was just like oh my good lord and um I was kind of going to town on this pizza and I got to like the last two slices and I was just like oh my god I, I, I'm done like beyond done and you were like you've eaten that much like you've only got two slices left and I was like no seriously like another mouthful and, I, and I'd probably explode <laughs> and uh, but it was but it was quite cool because I, I did have it for breakfast the next day we weren't quite as fit a foodie back then <laughs> just had that clause yeah. this, was, this was pre pre fit of food actually that was just making me think of I once did I did a few eating challenges in London when I was working as a doctor there and I did one that was it was like three massive like each burger was like over half a kilo of meat plus loads of stuff and then there was like I don't know two or three kilos of potato like wedges or something around the side and I you had to eat it in an hour or something I completely destroyed me I got like halfway through and had to vomit it was like the worst thing ever they say add salt don't they isn't that the key to overeating it just keep adding salt make it hyper palatable yeah Yeah, so so what you have to know, the, the most important thing is flavor fatigue. So you get really bored of a flavor. Not if so. you've ever seen some of the man versus food challenges, you know, actually Rob Wolf talks about this particular one too, where he's, he's got to eat like, I don't know, five kilos, 10 pounds of food, right? Whatever it is. And I think it's the one, the one that uh, Rob mentions a lot. It's like this big thing of ice cream and it's literally like liters and liters of ice cream. And he gets like a quarter of the way through and he can't eat any more because it's so sweet and whatever. And so he orders hot and salty fries. And oh, by, yeah. eating more, by eating yeah. more, by eating the fries, he removes that, that uh, flavor fatigue and then he can go back and finish the ice cream. So by eating more, he was able to eat more. So that's... That's like one of the tricks in the book of overeating is you, if you switch from like salty to sweet, you can, you can eat much more. And actually there's this really interesting, um, uh, it was kind of like a live study they did apparently on, on TV in Japan and they had these, they had participants over like eat to the point of being like completely full. I don't know what they were eating, but something savory. And then they MRI'd them and showed that like their stomach was just stuffed. And then they showed them cake. <laughs> and then they put them back in the MRI scanner, and the stomach had made room, like things are shifted around, like extra room. So, like some That's weird amazing. stuff goes on, so that you can uh, keep eating when you're when you're sort of oh, like. So there's always room for cake. There I was going to say Man. exactly that. Actually, it's funny. You know, when the dessert menu comes out, you always go. Still, yeah. Then you're like, oh, or, could, or Christmas, like, oh, I couldn't eat another mouthful. Anybody for Christmas put? <laughs> Ice cream or custard? <laughs> also, that's why a buffet's a nightmare as well. Like a buffet, of because you just so much variety. So we went to a wedding recently in Sicily. Amazing food, all good, all fresh. But 
We massively overate and oh, really, yeah. when, when the dance floor right, opened up at about nine o'clock, we were like, oh my God, this is horrific. Like, <laughs> thank, God for, thank God for the music. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let our good, you know, dancing away, whilst I'm farting away. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> no one knows. No one knows. Turn up the volume, DJ. <laughs> you yeah. can see everyone like, who's farting? I think, I think everyone was at it, so no one knew. <laughs> Christmas Day dance floor. But I must admit, yeah. this is what I do love. Like every time we get Tommy on the on the show, like it's always like you know some real mind blowing research, <laughs> some real top tips on, on how you can you know massively advance your health and, and whatnot. People are going to be reciting that study forever. Going, actually, my stomach has just made room. That's a fact. I'll have dessert. <laughs> but I can imagine so many going. That's why. That's yeah. why I can always fit in cake. <laughs> now I know. I thought I, my, people's minds are going to be blown, Tommy. I mean, that's, I mean, it's like real science, you know. Yeah, this, yeah, this is real science, you know. All, all Matt wants real to know science. is how can he volunteer for these studies? That's what he wants to know. Yeah. <laughs> well, you can just do the study every day by yourself, man, and see how it goes. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's just, uh, I'm just currently doing this uh, six-month study just to make sure. Next, next week, an MRI <laughs> machine is going to arrive on the doorstep. I'm like, oh, right, here we go. N <laughs> equals one. One day. In the shed. <laughs> yeah. Right, so um, let's let's talk uh, something serious. Yeah. So, what have you been doing, Tommy? Tommy, what, what have you been doing? Yeah. So, other stuff I've been doing. So, I've been. I was kind of brought into the lab that I'm working in at the moment to um, develop a model of uh, premature brain injury in ferrets. Did I talk about this last time? I can't remember. I can't. Does that sound familiar? Tell us anyway. Tell us about All the right. ferrets. So. So I did my I did my um, PhD in rats um, in like a, a model of basically babies who get to full term, but then there's some kind of problem and they end up with some kind of brain injury and then treatments for that. But my boss over here is much more interested in premature brain injury. So babies born prematurely and they, they often end up uh, with some kind of cerebral palsy or learning difficulty or something like that. So <coughs> that's more, actually more common than babies getting to term and then having a problem. So... She's been really interested in developing a model in the ferret because the ferret is born in sizes of litters similar to a rat or a mouse. And, though, and the, one of the main reasons you use rats and mice is because there's, I mean, there's loads of them and they're, yeah. you, you know, they're cheap um, and they're easy to do work on. They don't necessarily live that long, especially mice. Um, but the problem is that their brain is really simple compared to the brain of a human. So um, you know how the brain has all those folds uh, all them gyri. Uh, rats and rats and uh, mice don't have them. They're just completely smooth. Oh. So they don't have any folding, and they don't. They have much less white matter, which is like um, involved in uh, coordination and, and things like that. So the ferret is like a the same. It's born in litters the same as rats, but it has uh, a brain that looks almost exactly like a human brain. It's like a mini human brain because they're like we know they're super smart. Um, and they're basically apex predators in in where they where they live so hang out <laughs> where they hang out um so so we've been trying to develop a, a premature brain injury model in the ferret um and i think i've i think i've done it actually um oh, wow. which they hadn't managed to do for like two or three years before i turned up so i'm pretty happy with that um so that's kind of what i've been doing uh, i've been playing with ferrets they're really cute actually they Aww. smell funny but they're cute. Yeah, they do come a bit, don't they? Can I ask you a question, actually? You know, there's, yeah. a, there's a lot of people out there that kind of rubbish the, the animal studies side of things, especially when it comes to, like, nutrition and, and even kind of, like, the, the kind of biomedicine side of stuff. But there's a lot of it that can't be replicated at this point in, in human studies. Like, a lot of the things they do, like what you're doing, cannot be replicated, obviously, for, for, yeah. for obvious reasons. But... You, do you still use those when you're doing your research? Because a lot of people are like, no, I'm not looking at that. That's animal studies. That's stupid. Yeah. And think that we could compare. But actually, some of the things they're finding out about the gut microbiome and, and the, the HPA axis, it's all been done in, in mice at this point in time. And I think it's really like intriguing, but some people are completely ignoring it. Yeah. I mean, it's such a good question. And I, I think there's, there's a really important balance to have between the two. Like, I think they're definitely important, but you have to know the limitations of them. And... Mm -hmm. Often people will say, oh, you know, this was seen, you know, they'll, they'll kind of give a study and say that it's evidence for a certain effect, you know, trying to sell something in humans. Mm -hmm. And then they'll say, you know, in brackets done in rats or in mice, but they'll kind of fob it off such that they still think that it's completely worthwhile. Whereas 
you know, at least nine times out of ten, that's not the case. And it's usually to do with, you know, um, there are plenty of things that work in, like you do one thing in one strain of mouse or rat, and then you do it in a different strain of mouse or rat, and it doesn't work anymore. Really? Um, and it's just all that kind of stuff is, you know, it's very difficult to replicate, and it yeah. does depend on, so most diseases where you have a model in animals, like the large majority have not been able to produce a treatment that's then worked in humans, like just most of them. Um, one of the benefits of the the model that I worked with in my PhD is that stuff that works in that model has worked in larger animal models and has also worked in babies. So I kind of feel I felt a little bit better about it. Yeah. Like I knew it like, definitely not a perfect model by you know for so many reasons, but at least treatments that worked in that model worked in other models and worked in um, worked in babies. And there's there's uh, particularly in pediatrics because there are a number of there are a number of like animals available. So sheep are very popular, pigs are very popular, and you can work with them when they're small. Um, it's very normal to do it in mice or rats first and then do it in slightly larger animals and then translate it to humans. But most other, you know, not all, but most other diseases, they basically start in rats and mice and then they jump straight to humans. And then, you know, you just don't have that kind of, you don't have a stepping stone in between. And I think that's, that's something that's really important that people should do more of. Um, there's a really interesting paper that came out. It's like 10 years old now. It was called 1,026 uh, Treatments for Stroke. So basically, and it's, I mean, there must be much more now. So there are many thousands of things that you can do to cure a stroke in a rat or a mouse, and literally none of them have worked in humans. Oh, wow. Right? Okay. How depressing is that? Yeah. So, but for all of these, and there's also things like, particularly in neuroscience, there's on average, and they're, they're clamping down on it now, but on average, it's like six to one. Uh, the male um, male uh, mice or rats compared to females. So almost all of the old um, neuroscience research is done in male animals and not female animals because the reason they do that is because female animals have an estrous cycle which makes them less reliable in terms of reproducibility of results. Right. But that means that anything that worked in male mice or rats, and there's a huge uh, variability in terms of, particularly in the brain, like how you respond to injury and then how you respond to treatments in, in terms of sex response. So basically, all of that old data could be completely meaningless to females, and just nobody ever did it. But they did it in male mice and rats because it was just so much easier to do it that way. So that's cheating, really. Like you're, ba you're basically saying men are predictable and women are not <laughs> are unpredictable. Well, it's uh, like a motto for life. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's interesting. But also, there's, these diseases are so kind of they can be gender biased as well, can't they? So, yeah. With a lot of diseases, so that doesn't make any sense that they didn't kind of consider that. Well, yeah, so then, they're now like most funding bodies are now saying you have to um, you have to look for a sex difference, and if you're not going to, you have to say why, yeah. and you have to say how you're going to account for that. So it's really been clamped down, but but only in the last couple of years. So any kind of neuroscience research from you know before 2010, if not a little after that, is really skewed in terms of that that sex difference thing. That's really interesting, wow. isn't it? I didn't think of and so, and do you have like regulations now then for that? And I suppose if the, that's just for funding, if you want funding that you've got to comply with certain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if, I mean, it's, it's mainly the funding bodies. I, I think some journals, when you're publishing the data, um, or definitely peer reviewers, um, when they're reading papers, they'll say, "Why did you only use male mice?" or um, "Why didn't you have large enough group sizes so that you could compare the sexes or whatever?" and you know, so I think the good journals and are clamping down on that too. So it's kind of coming from both ends, like the money and then also the publishing. But, you know, it's really easy to publish stuff nowadays. There's just so many journals and, you know, you could, you could do it and, and not be particularly rigorous and still get away with it and get your publication. And that's all people care about now, sadly. Yeah, but, and that's the, that is the problem, isn't it? Because, I mean, a, a big thing that, I mean, I started, um, have you heard of Martin McDonald? Uh, I don't think so. Uh, check him out on, on Facebook. Um, he's started uh, something called uh, Mac, Mac, Nutrition, uh, Mac, Mac Nutrition University or Mac, U, Mac University. Um, it's like a 12-month online uh, online course. I've been following him for a, for a couple of years. He's, he's bloody amazing. Um, and he's, he's huge on, obviously, like evidence-based practice. But um, what's really interesting is, is, obviously, I was talking to Keris about this the other day, is... You know, there's, it's all well and good there being a study, but there's a difference between a, a study and a good study. 
and, yeah. and, and it's you know, and that's been like a bit of a breakthrough for for me because me being able to actually look at a study and go, actually, this this is terrible. Like this doesn't mean anything. <laughs> yeah. But but you know, people who want to kind of prove that they're right will kind of reference these studies because they're like, well, there's a study here. This proves that I'm exactly right. And it's like, actually, it proves yeah. nothing. But it is a study. Like, you can't deny that, but it's not a good yeah. one. And, and that's been huge for me, being able to, like, actually go, oh, okay. It's like when you look at who funded the study, that's a big thing. And it oh, almost the, the all bias the, all, in some all of them the is ridiculous. Ones. I mean, like Nestle Research Centre. It's like, okay. <laughs> so I just, I just uh, there was this really nice paper um, that I just put in one of my highlights emails, which was sponsored by the Haas Avocado Board, which basically showed that if you put half a, an avocado on your burger, you reduce like the inflammatory response to the meal. Oh, wow. I was like, this perfectly fits in with my my worldview, so I'm just going to accept it. Thanks very much. Sponsored by the sponsored by the Avocado Board. <laughs> I do exactly the same with all the chocolate ones. I'm like, oh Hershey, okay, yeah, it's still cool though. Interesting. Um, so Tommy, um. Tell me about this. Kerry's trying to tell me about some kind of. She was like, Tommy has created a tea. And uh-huh. I'm like, hold on a minute. What, what, what's gone off here? Yeah, but when I, when I said what the tea was called, what did you what Hor- did you think I said? Horny tea. Horny tea. So, I, I was so, like, <laughs> it's like nettle root. Well, and... you drink enough of it, man? Maybe that's what will happen. <laughs> I'm not sure whether Karis will be happy about that, though. So no. it's, it's a pre. I'd be hiding it. <laughs> Got work to do. <laughs> what about away? It's for the weekend. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that could be your next tea, though. To be fair, a pre pre. Yeah, I can definitely root, throw plus. some like um, some pycnogenol, maybe some long jack. Um, yeah, I can, What's yeah. long jack? I've never heard of that. Pardon? What's long, long jack? jack? Yeah, it's a uh, tonka ali. It's it's used in loads of like testosterone boosters because oh, really? I think there's some studies that show it like boosts testosterone a little bit. Is that where um, its name comes from, or is that? I don't think so. <laughs> right. I don't think it was discovered by Jack, who was surprisingly long. Right. <laughs> This is like the most X-rated podcast we've ever done. <laughs> <laughs> Wonder if we should like warn listeners, put like a, you know, like one of those like a explicit lyrics <laughs> stickers on it or something. Back to horny tea, anyway. The horny tea, yeah. Well, so it's, oh, actually, it's not horny tea, is it though? Yeah, yeah. so it's it's hormy tea, yeah. uh, or hormeti, depending on. So it's depend. It's either hormy tea like hormesis or hormeti like hormetic. So you can kind of. It's like both. It's like a play on the word uh, hormesis because it's basically based on uh, mainly various plant polyphenols that have their benefit by upregulating stress-related pathways. But then you get an increase in the things that um, then allow you to deal with stress. So you get an increase in glutathione production. You know the enzymes that produce glutathione, some of the enzymes associated with uh, mitochondrial biogenesis, all that kind of stuff. Those pathways associated with like exercise and fasting. Yeah. Um, a lot of these things sort of stimulate those pathways through the action of hormesis, hence hormeti. Wow. Oh. So what's in it? What's in it? Um, <laughs> what's in it? It's in it. It's um, uh, bilberry extract, so like, you know, those dark Nordic blueberries, which the ones, you know, not those, you know, those big fat blueberries that are green in the middle? Yeah, that we have yeah. in the supermarkets. Not those ones. Right. The ones that are actually blue all the way through. Oh, wow. Uh, because you want the polyphenols that make them purple. Um and so, so it's those. It's it's about so it's about a third of that. It's about a third matcha green tea powder, um, and so that's like where I guess it's tea type flavor. And then it's got some grapeseed extract, some turmeric, uh, some broccoli seeds because uh, broccoli seeds are they're the new cool thing that uh, produce sulforaphane, which activates NRF two and all those pathways that people talk about in terms of antioxidant defense and stuff. And then a bit of black pepper because that helps you. It makes the turmeric more bioavailable. Um, that's it. Think, yeah. I'm trying to like get the taste in my head like what would yeah, that so taste like it, it's like it curry of, I, was, I, I was kind of with you at first I was like oh you know Bilberry. you know the blueberry or, the, or whatever yeah, yeah. I was like, but then when it was like broccoli and turmeric and <laughs> so, sounds so like a stew the, I had the, the other night yeah so actually do you know what um, Julie uh, the uh, uh, Chris's wife who's like our our nutrition guru at Nourish Balance Tribe She's a she's a food scientist, so she like one of the things she learned about is making food taste good. And apparently, the first time she tasted this tea, she was like, "I know what this needs to be." So she put it in bone broth. Oh, okay, um, that's good. And it actually like became more like a soup, 
Um, and so a lot of people really like it like that. So some people like it as the tea. Yeah. I normally have it as the tea with either some coconut milk or some fat fiber in it. Um, but some people have it as like a bone broth and like turn it into a soup because it's quite, it's savory. Yeah, it's, I'd you, imagine. You think it might be quite, it might be quite bitter. It, it's not. I think it's kind of the, the bilberry extract definitely tempers it down. So it's not bitter at all, but it is, it's quite a savory flavor. So it just kind of depends on if you like that kind of flavor palette. What effect does the the water? So, would you have to cool the water from boiling? Cause, you know, I know they say don't put boiling water on your green tea and things like that because is it just? I read something saying it's quite good in that it almost upregulates some of those com- compounds, and then someone else said no, it just boiling water would just destroy most of them. So you've got to cool yeah. it first. So this is an excellent question, Karis, and I'm glad you asked it. So oh. <laughs> the, um, there, there are special brewing instructions for oh, really? green tea. Um, and actually, so if you're used to brewing matcha tea and you brew and there's like a specific temperature, it's like 80 something degrees Celsius, uh, you could keep doing it that way. Um, but the main, so the main reason actually is that if you're active, you, the, the active compound in broccoli seeds, broccoli sprouts, or the seeds turn into sprouts. So most people eat the sprouts, but we've got the seeds because they're easier to handle and they actually have a greater, um, content of this compound. The compound you want is called sulforaphane. That's what has the the effects. Mm. But it, it's in like a precursor in the seed or the sprout. And then there's an enzyme. When you break down the cells, the enzyme acts on a precursor to make the compound that you want. It's actually like um, it's like an insecticide compound. So when insects start to eat the broccoli sprouts, is actually sort of they don't like. It becomes very bitter. It, it's you know all of all of the um, all of the plants in the brassica family like cabbage. Uh, but then also things like uh, daikon, uh, horseradish. They have, you know, they have that kind of, you know, when you have too much wasabi and it kind of yeah. washes up your nose. It's that stuff. It's right. that stuff. And um, so to activate the enzyme best, um, there's at least one study that shows you need to heat it to like 70 to 80 degrees Celsius. So mm-hmm. if you heat your water to that temperature and then you put some of that on the tea first, that kind of gets the enzyme going. Um, and then, you know, a few minutes later you add hot, you top it up with hot water and then it will never be fully a hundred degrees, but you'll have activated everything you want. And so it's very similar. You can treat it like you would be brewing matcha tea because it's, it's a very similar temperature. Um, but yeah, particularly for this tea because of what's in it, it, I think that will, that will uh, be beneficial. And you have to leave it for like a set time again, like five minutes, 10 minutes. Yeah. Uh, I think, like, ideally, you'd leave it for, like, 20 minutes. Oh, wow. I don't know anybody who has that, I don't know anybody who has that much patience. So I normally <laughs> leave it for, like, five or ten minutes. And, yeah. you know, that's probably pretty good. You could do it as, like, sometimes I am notorious for making a cup of tea and then forgetting about it, going off, hoovering the house, doing some work, then come back, and then I'll just sometimes neck it cold, because I'll be like, well, that's a really strong green tea now, so... Yeah probably get some benefits yeah. from that so you could just do that have your you do it that way yeah you can make it you can turn it shots. Shots. <laughs> yeah. so based on the kind of like benefits you you mentioned at the beginning of yeah. kind of like the you know the, the ingredients that are in this tea yeah is there like um would you benefit from having it at a particular time of day or you know like is it something that'd be quite good to have like prior to bedtime or more of a morning drink or what yes yeah, so, um i don't think it's going to be good for bedtime just because there's, there's going to be a reasonable amount of caffeine in there um and i'm working on a caffeine free version but i think i think in the morning i think around exercise it's going to be it's going to be good because it kind of activates all of those pathways that are associated with exercise anyway so you might you might get a bit of a, a boost there um you so need to market this as a post-workout tea that's all you yeah need to so and actually, <laughs> stick those words in front some, of it there are some studies that show that caffeine after a workout can improve recovery yeah, uh, but I just I never, that. it didn't make that much sense to me because I'm always like, well, I work out in the evening and then if I have a coffee afterwards, like... Yeah, yeah. dependent, isn't it? It doesn't yeah. make any sense. But you're right, I definitely could. I could sell it as a workout. But the problem is, well, it is kind of, it's kind of like a like a murky green colour. But I guess if I turned it like luminous pink... Or blue. Um, but I've noticed yeah, that, blue. that dudes are loving stuff that's blue in the gym okay. right now. I've just seen like right. a luminous blue bottles of... And I'm like, I have no idea what that concoction is, but they probably think it's awesome. Oh, I thought you were talking about the gym gear. They're like in the colour blue. It's all those branch chain amino acid drinks that yeah. are like luminous blue. Oh, right, okay. Yeah. Cocktails. Or green or pink. <laughs> yeah, how have you? Bizarre colours. So yeah, right, I could do that. I've got a question. So with the the tea, and this is just generally for antioxidants, 
So there's a bit of a thing where you read about all the benefits of, of all these antioxidant compounds and you think, well, I'll, I'll get... I mean, I, I can be guilty of this. I get into a routine where I'm like, I'll have broccoli sprouts every day on my salad and, yeah. you know, and, but is there more benefit to almost cycling these, these kind of things? Because it's like, if it's trying to upregulate certain things in the body, are you causing too much stress in a way? If you go out, do a run, then throw down a ton of these kind of compounds that are almost, because I read that they, they're almost kind of pro-oxidant and then you upregulate your antioxidant defenses, don't you? So. Yeah, that's essentially part of it. Um, so I, I think that's almost certainly going to be the case. And the I've tried to, except for the turmeric, just because it's in, like unless you use one of the pharmaceutically activated compounds to get more curcumin into the body. Apart from the turmeric, like everything that's in there is in a, at a dose that has been shown to work in a clinical trial, usually in people with heart disease, type two diabetes, metabolic syndrome. And most of them, you know, improve insulin sensitivity, improve uh, group glucose tolerance, reduce uh, cholesterol oxidation, you know, improve vascular function, something like that. Um, and so, you know, those studies usually go on for two or three months or something. So you could definitely take it every day for two or three months. And, uh, you know, I don't think there's going to be any issue there. Um, but I, I do think there's probably going to be benefit to cycling something like that. Um, I have designed it so that there's meaningful amounts of the stuff in there. Um, and they do. So if somebody was drinking like two or three cups every day, I probably wouldn't recommend that. Um, oh, but okay. one, one or two, you know, is, you know, especially for a long period of time. And, uh, you know, the broccoli seeds, there is a possibility that people have thyroid issues, you know, like with all cruciferous vegetables and you're iodine deficient, you know, there's a slim chance it could cause an issue. So, I, you know, like everything, too much of a good thing. Um, it's it's going to be bad. But, you know, if you have a cup every day, I don't think it's going to be, I think that's going to be fine. You should get some seaweed in it. That'd be good as well. A bit. Yeah, so I did think about adding some, like, kelp powder or something. Yeah. Uh, but then I really, but then, so I literally did think about this and I thought, well, then I am actually just making soup. So. <laughs> that's all right. Sorry okay. against it. <laughs> Hormy soup. <laughs> so is it, is it complete, um, is it completely like powder in, in, a, in like a, in a tea bag? It's not kind of like a, Loose no, so it comes as a powder, and you put you just put like a teaspoon or two teaspoons, technically, if you want the full dose. Um, so it it does have a slight. It kind of when you look at it in the cup, it's kind of like miso soup. So it's kind of got some particulates that kind of float around in it, um, which actually I, I don't think mo most people don't mind that. No. Um, so it's not like it's not completely clear. So there are some bits that float around in it, but it's just like if you make matcha tea, you have a powder and then you kind of stir it in, and it's not like a clear fluid. It's definitely like a like an opaque fluid. So it's kind of similar to that. And is this like well, a new... I did say I'd send you some, and then Karis was like, well, beware, Matt's going to tell you what he thinks and what it tastes like. Yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is, that, is, that, is that why we haven't received any yet? Yeah. No, I'm just wait, I'm waiting for the labelling on, on the, um, the, the the new run of packets, and I'll send you some. To be fair, though, he drinks stuff like, you know, amino acids, which taste absolutely horrific, oh, but in the name terrible. of health, you'll, uh, you'll drink that kind of stuff. So, Well, well no, not really... Well, well, I don't really do amino acids now. No, you used to, you used to though, didn't you? I used to, yeah. But just because it, yeah, just kind of like the taste. <laughs> there's no real benefit to it, you know. Just no, no, I've just had, I had some plain free form amino acids at one point, and I've never tasted. I, I'll, I'll take a lot of supplements and go whatever. I'll just get it down with me. But that, they were horrific. Yeah, but you, 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 but you, like you say, you got the plain one, and it was just no flavor. Yeah, awful. But they're yeah. terrible. They're really bitter. Blah. Yeah, but like, I like the sound like, of the tea. Hydrolyzed whey protein is the same. Because they're all sort of broken down into amino acids, it tastes terrible. Oh really? Yeah, I heard somebody once uh, refer to it as tasting like cat's piss. How would they know? Oh. I don't know. <laughs> That's the big you know, question. I wouldn't be surprised if they, if, you know, if they had that the relevant <laughs> experience. I'm happy to happy to believe them. So is this like a new thing that you're going to do now, kind of product development? Because that would be amazing. I've, I've got a big list that I'm going to start sending over of things I'd like to see. <laughs> Um, yeah, kind of as and when I think about things, it just kind of, so this was just like a random idea. I was like reading a few papers. Um, I was, so I was reading papers about uh, compounds in plants, particularly that activate the same pathways associated with exercise. And I was reading, I was like, oh, this sounds pretty good. Could totally turn that into a tea. And then that's what happened. So people might think that they could just drink the tea and not go to the gym. Like not us, but we quite like the gym. Yeah. Well, to be honest, it would be, it would be better than nothing. And I can say that because I've got a list of about 20 clinical trials of all the different ingredients that yeah. show that it does have some benefit. So if, if something's going to be truly sedentary, you know, this is definitely going to be better than nothing. I, it's, it's not, sadly not going to replace the gym, 
yeah. not something large in, but you know what I mean. But when you so with these like trials and stuff, are there any the are, are these trials that already existed or like how many have, have you actually have you actually done? Uh, no, so I, haven't, I haven't done any of these ones. Um, but the, yeah, so just all things in the literature, you know, they give people grapeseed extract or green tea extract or blueberry extract. Um, you know, a few teaspoons of turmeric. You know, and it's been shown to. You know, they're not huge ten thousand person. Um, studies like you see for drugs but mm. you know there's enough to think best case scenario I'm going to get some benefit here worst case scenario I've had a nice cup of tea see I, I went to a um I can't remember the it's an Italian uh researcher who's been doing all the kind of blue zones I can't remember his name it's slipped from my mind but he was saying about the he was going around all the blue zones and uh talking about all the different polyphenol which that wasn't Dan Butner he's like the main blue zone guy no no I've got I've I think I'll have a look on my phone when you all when you start talking again. <laughs> um, but he was saying that uh, with the turmeric stuff, he was looking at NF, um, NF2. Uh, that was his main NRF2. Kind of, NRF2, sorry. Nerf, yeah. He called it Nerf2. Um, uh, with yes. it, Nerf2. <laughs> and uh, he was saying with the when they had looked at trying to replicate a lot of the stuff in studies that the turmeric didn't appear to have any effect and that it had to be done in like you were just saying they've got these kind of liposomal forms or there's now they're advancing it every second aren't they trying to make it and yeah. to get that kind of therapeutic dose to have that any effect it was such a high amount that there was almost no point doing it through food and I came away and I thought I can understand that but then equally it, turmeric has existed for thousands of years in different cultures and like you kind of said with the the black pepper and things like that and, and it still offers benefit, right? For to have yeah. So, so, so this is the thing: is with the black pepper, the turmeric that so and like turmeric in any food, right? Not just not just this thing. Um, you're gonna absorb absorb and retain like one to five percent, something like that. Yeah. But I think there's some really interesting data on, and so if you want like pharmaceutical dose term uh, like curcumin that's gonna help with joint pain or you know some kind of inflammatory condition. Um, then you should use curcumin phytosome, uh, like other, otherwise known as Mariva or BCM95 or a liposomal form or something like that. Like, and that stuff does work and it's great. Um, but it's expensive though. <laughs> it's really well, it is exp it yeah. is expensive, definitely. But um, could be just as good as taking ibuprofen, urofen, yeah. and not give you heart disease and uh, stomach ulcers. So you know, potato, potato, um, <laughs> and. But I think there's, I think turmeric in the gut has a beneficial effect on the gut microbiome and also can do some interesting stuff for gut permeability. Again, studies in mice. I'm going to now start kind of quoting mouse studies to support my case. Um, <laughs> so, so I think just because it's not absorbed and circulating around the body doesn't mean it's not doing something good for you. So even though you're not absorbing all of it, I think it's going to maybe do something good for your gut. And there's, there's loads of inter interesting data on how different polyphenols can improve. You know, upregulate some of those keystone species that we like to see in the gut like uh, bifidobacteria or uh, acomantia or something like that so i i would be i'm willing to hedge my bets and have some, uh, some turmeric that doesn't get absorbed so another this is this is kind of on the same topic but the over here in the uk there was a tv program i actually missed it but it was food unwrapped and they were talking about measuring stool samples of people who'd eaten this was fermented foods and they were looking at all the kimchi sauerkraut and someone just emailed us about it and then the live yogurt that you get in supermarkets. And they were saying how the, they were looking in the study at how many of these kind of bacteria were present in the stool. So how, as a measure of how effective fermented foods and versus live yogurt and live yogurt in the supermarket came out as the best and yeah. there was nothing from the fermented foods. And my comment back was half of this stuff is acting locally in the gut. It's not all about what just comes out in the, in the poop necessarily. And also I'd question how they were measuring that and, you know, cause it's expensive at best doing it yeah. privately. So but. if you're, yeah, so it really depends on what they're, if they're, if they're doing just like 16 S RNA, you know, that's really unreliable to give you a true, like idea of everything that's going on in the gut. Are they doing like a wider, is it culture? Are they doing like a full sequencing equally? Just like you said, a lot of probiotics, uh, they don't they don't take up residence in the gut, but they can help create a positive shift. So it's yeah. never like that's what's going to be that's going to take over. And and equally, a lot of that stuff is is happening in the small bowel, and that doesn't necessarily make it to the other end. So there's loads of different reasons why um, you could see a benefit from those foods, but you can't measure it in your poop. 
yeah, that was that was my kind of take away from it. And I also kind of thought, isn't it funny that there's a massive bias towards a big food industry <laughs> like product at the very end of the study that that came yeah. out of live yogurt. big yogurt. Yeah. And I also do, also read, and then we will go back to, to horny tea, which is going to be called <laughs> horny tea from now on. Um, that the this because the, the live yogurt only has they have like four dominant strains that actually if you were having that every day for breakfast, you could almost create a kind of imbalance in a way. Is that and it's pasteurised yeah, in the supermarkets? Not yeah, raw. yeah, I'm not sure. It, it's kind of the same thing. If you if you say that most you know many probiotics aren't going to take up residence in the gut, you could say the same thing about the cultures in yogurt. Most of the traditional species that we that are used in probiotics are used purely because it's really easy to grow them yeah. uh, and often associated with dairy products. So they're the ones that came out of the yogurt making industry anyway. And that doesn't mean there isn't any benefit to them. And they're you know certain like lactobacillus strains are definitely um, definitely beneficial. So yeah, it's possible. I don't I don't really think I don't think it's a risk though. If you have yogurt every day, I'm not really worried that you're only going to be. Lactobacillus. <laughs> Changing your personality. Uh-huh. <laughs> sorry, sorry, Matt's looking at me. No, you were about to go on to something. No, else no, there. no, I was looking at you. Because you were going back to the, the tea. No, should we talk about fat fibre next? Sure. Fat fibre. This is your other other product. In fact, we should yes. get our listeners to call in if they've got any other requests for, for Tommy to develop any other products. We're, we're not going to see you on like Dragon's Den soon, are we, with this like empire of all these healthy. <laughs> Surely chocolate, yeah, no, chocolate should be next. I've, I've actually had a few people approach me, um, like two or three different companies now, to see if I'll help them with formulation. And it's, it is something that I'm interested in, but Very I don't, cool. it's kind of just something that I want to play around with. Like, I'm not necessarily interested in the stuff that I make being like some... It doesn't need to be on the shelves in Tesco for me to be. It's just stuff that I want in my kitchen, so then I just happen to put it together. That, that's, the thing, that's what would make you an amazing supplement provider because there isn't that agenda of, like, I want to make huge amounts of money, I don't care if it works or not, it's all about the marketing. Like that was what, what, that would, what everyone would trust you and, and buy anything from you at this point in time. So now, I can completely, so now I can use that background and actually just turn things around and use yeah, it to make secretly. all the Surely, have you not looked at something with chocolate? Can you not do, like, a hot yeah, chocolate? Yeah, so... Um, Horny hot chocolate. Horny, horny cocoa. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's that's. I could definitely try that. You could definitely try as a co- you know. I think because I've, I've started to create like the so there's the horny tea and then I'm making the caffeine version which is going to be a chai. So it's going to be horny chai. Oh, that's um, nice. You see, I, I, I don't. Um, I'm not very good at making up new names. <laughs> up one, that was it. And yeah, so maybe I could do like a cocoa version. I could look. I'll look into that. With we some, do, you can um, put fat fiber in it, can't you? As well. Yeah. Oh no, that's what. Yeah, uh, completely blank. So we have. So we have fat fiber, and then we were going to create. And when we can get the supply of the cocoa that we want, we're going to make something called. So it's actually Chris's invention uh, called uh, fat cow. So it's going to be <laughs> fat fiber with with a pH fat, right. obviously. Yeah. Um, and it, so it's going to be like basically 50-50 fat fiber and cocoa or oh, cacao nice. if you're one wow. of those people. Um, and yeah, so that's so that was something that Chris started making with fat fiber. And it's it's actually really nice. And it's just like, it's with a hundred, it's like, so it's not sweet at all. But if you're kind of, if you don't mind that, that's really good. So that will be our, that will be our chocolate based product when that's that happens. We, that's kind of, I'd forgotten about that. Yeah, we'll, we'll do that. <laughs> We've exactly. definitely talked about it. So what is the benefit of fat fibre? What? What, what is it? <laughs> what is it? So fat fibre is basically, it's an MCT powder. Um, so it's it started off as 50% um, MCTs. It's a medium chain triglycerides, which are the fats that turn into ketones. Um, and 50% of a, a, a basically a, a resistant resist a digestion resistant fiber um and that particular fiber has also been in like a couple of studies shown to like increase bifidobacteria in the stools and we you know we we like bifidobacteria so anything that's going to increase that particularly in athletes um who this is kind of designed for you know that's probably going to be a good thing so we mixed we essentially just mixed the two of them in a one-to-one ratio um and it's, it's so it turns out and we have published a study on this uh and it turns out that the fiber isn't entirely digestion resistant so it does give you like a small amount of glucose um but interestingly uh so the reason it was the reason it was designed is a lot of the, the athletes that we work with at nourish balance right they're like on the lower carb end like low carb endurance athletes um and they like um supplementing with mcts they they, you know they often need some kind of energy source to take during a prolonged race but they don't want it to be like those gels or powerade 
LucasAid, whatever LucasAid support. Um, so this kind of covers those bases. So it's a very small amount of glucose, which is actually really helpful uh, for endurance athletes, even low carbers over a long period of time. Um, and then a small amount of MCTs, so like fat, to kind of be an extra um, an extra calorie source too. Um, but the reason, particularly, we made it is because well, if you take just the oil. You know, I don't know if anybody, if either of you have ever tried to take a couple of tablespoons of MCT oil and then immediately seen them come out the other end. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's very common. But interestingly, if you take MCT as a powder, almost regardless of what the powder, what powder it comes in, it, that doesn't seem to happen. So oh, really? it doesn't have that effect. And but then all the other MCT powders are either uh, based on maltodextrin, so they're full of like a G, high GI carbohydrate, which we're trying to avoid, um, or they... So the most popular one is made by Quest, um, and the, the main powder is, is based on casein protein. So it's basically MCT or uh, sprayed onto sodium caseinate. And a lot of our athletes are sort of more paleo or AIP because they've got really messed up guts. And Chris particularly, when we were inventing this, he was like, he tried Quest MCT powder and just shat his pants, like literally immediately. So, <laughs> sorry, we were already going to put the explicit warning. <laughs> yeah. Um, so basically, it was it was it was an MCT powder with a and sort of serendipitously, it has a small glucose source. We didn't intend it to be that way, but actually, I think it's better that way yeah. um, biochemically to have a small amount of glucose to come in with it, and yeah, it doesn't have any sort of like those nasty um, things that some people can react to in terms of gut. So it's kind of like MCT powder for for sensitive guts. That's why I made it. Do you take it as like a, a you know, like a normal meal breakfast if you weren't, because you don't do any of the big kind of endurance stuff, do you? Oh no. I've <laughs> <Yeah>. been <laughs> my kidneys and I'm not going to do it anymore. Um, yeah, so I, I put it into coffee or tea. Um, I might put it sometimes if I'm making a smoothie, I'll put it in there. Uh, yeah, people put it in their cocoa. People mix it for like drinks when they're training. I haven't really used it uh, during training personally because I, I normally don't train for more than an hour, so I don't really water is plenty. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so any of any of those really people. So anytime you would use if you if you're somebody who has used MCT oil or makes a bulletproof coffee or you know uses any of that kind of stuff in a in a in an exercise. You know, for for fueling exercise, you know, you, you could definitely replace, put it in any of that. But you don't necessarily need to be uh, in ketosis or big on that kind of thing to, to benefit from this, right? No, I don't. I don't think so. And there's there's lots of there's lots of data actually showing that people who take um, MCTs, even if they're eating carbohydrates with them, and they're not, you know, a, a low carb type person, they still get a boost in ketones, and it can like suppress satiety later on. Um, you know, so it can re- help regulate calorie intake and stuff. I'm not trying to sell it as a weight loss thing, uh, but um, you'd have you to know. call it skinny cow if you were going to do that, anyway. <laughs> yeah, that'll be the next one. <laughs> do, do, do you know what? That that is the most bizarre thing. Like, um, if you did market in that way, you would obviously, I think, you would make an absolute bloody fortune. But of course, we're not those kind of people, are we, Tommy? You know, we're, we're, we're passionate about health and not just uh, making millions. Yeah. Then I'll be then I'll be up there with the likes of the Prove It guys, and then I'll I'll never be able to show my face anywhere respectable ever again. But you'll just be kicking back in your big mansion. It is. It yeah, is. <laughs> and a big like Cuban cigar. Yeah, I don't care anymore. <laughs> yeah, so I, I did I did see what um, there was some race somewhere where all the Prove It guys rocked up with like their brand new Teslas in like matte black with like Prove oh, It written God. down the side. And the first thing I said to Chris was like, "Where's my fat fiber car?" <laughs> <laughs> That's quite big over here. That's the uh, so the, if people don't know who they are, they're the exogenous ketones, aren't they? They sell that's what they sell. But the, it's funny because we keep getting asked on, on by various people in the industry, don't we, to come and try this and and would Matt, Matt be interested in kind of finishing his workout and holding up a bottle of look what I fuel my workout oh, with? Yeah, pay me hundred grand and I might consider it. <laughs> yeah. Give me one of those. Get one of those cars, Matt. Get one of the cars. Um, yeah, actually, somebody popped up on my Facebook the other day trying to trying to sell me something like that or like get involved in it. I've I've kind of been one step to remove because most people bother Chris about that stuff. Um, I guess it's it, and he, he's somebody who's based in the UK, so I think it's. Yeah, it's I must admit, it's. Um, I mean, it's quieting down a little bit right now with like the um, 
with the ketones and stuff. Um, luckily, it was a New Year thing, wasn't it? It was very yeah, because a lot of guys that we we were kind of Facebook friends with in Australia, actually, it was it seems to be huge in Australia. Um, but then when my kind of like Facebook message inbox started kind of like blowing up a little bit from people that I've been friends with on Facebook for a long time, but never really ever spoken to or heard of, or you know, just you know, I just see their posts on my feed. And straight away it got to that point where I'd see their name in my inbox and I was like, here we go. And lo and behold, <laughs> it's the usual sort of, hey Matt, oh, I've been following you and Kerish for so long now. I love what you guys do. And I was like, yeah, uh-huh. get to the point, mate. So there's this thing. And, uh, <laughs> you know, and, and I was just like, oh, do you know what? And I got to the point where, I, I, it sounds bad, but I just don't even reply anymore because I'm just like the cheek of it. You know, you, you've tried to like butter me up, you know, yeah. and, and it's so transparent like what you're trying to do here you, you know you, you you're trying to sell and and it, sh- it just gets a bit irritating after a while i was gonna say have you guys not considered doing things like your own multivitamins and and stuff like that because i know you've been so, i know like yes. I, I look at stuff and go someone else could do a way better job than this so. yeah do you know what it's re- it's actually really difficult um really? and we have so we've looked a lot at, at, at um, trying to formulate various supplements and you know, even the people who you think, you know, who are making supplements and you think, you know, these are good people, like I know they want to do a good job, you always, like you have to cut, you have to cut corners somewhere. Yeah. Um, and then you, so it will never, like sadly, it will never be, unless you are like a big, you know, a really big company with the kind of, you have all the manufacturing stuff already, you have all the testing processes, you can do all the quality assurance testing, all that kind of stuff. You know, you're, you're gonna you end up cutting corners somewhere. And we just don't really want to do that. Um, so I, I think at one point Chris spoke to Thorn developing something, and they're like, "Yeah, uh, give us two hundred fifty thousand dollars, and we'll oh, make wow. it for you." Okay. Like, Bargain. Yeah. Uh, so wow. So uh, you know, and and yeah, until until that becomes more feasible, I don't think I don't think that's going to be anything we're going to think about. Gosh. Okay. I don't know. We, we might struggle to get something on the podcast in the future if this uh, fat fiber and the it takes off and the tea takes yeah, off. So Matt, 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 I've been a big fan of yours for a long, long time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Will you take your shirt off? That <laughs> bag of fat fiber. <laughs> you should so do that. It was like a really cheesy. Uh, what do they call it in America? In- infomercial. Was it infomercial? Yeah. Or? And we can do like those, like um, one of those, like stars that kind of grows. You like twinkle your smile, and like, this star like mm-hmm. comes out of your mouth. And what you need to do is, if you develop a fat fiber ice cream, he'll sell that with no problem. That's All right. <laughs> I mean, the possibilities are endless, mate. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which wouldn't be that hard, would it? I mean, no, I don't think. So. No, definitely not. Uh, a food products easier? Would it be cheaper to do things through food than it is through supplements? Um, not necessarily like I, I think things just get increasingly difficult the more ingredients you want to you mm. want to include yeah. and also the more um, the more refined you want that to be right so the so fat fiber we basically sourced a, a source of uh, MCT oil and then we sourced the the fiber it's basically sold as like a um, you know a fiber supplement for uh, constipation or whatever yeah um and then a company just kind of like sprays the two together and voila you have a powder um is it flavored in any way is it flavored in any way no no it's unflavored so kind of it tastes kind of slightly milky um, but doesn't really taste it very much actually if if i melted a bar of like 100 percent dark chocolate and added it would that work do you reckon like as a that's oh, yeah, where my head's going with it. T- Tommy's thinking, why not if we join a week 100% dark chocolate? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, so, we had, no, so actually, there was somebody, um, one of our clients actually sent us a recipe. They made a lip balm. So they took, so we, we actually, oh, wow. there's this 100% dark chocolate that actually, like, if you if you order stuff on the Nourish Man's website, you basically get a free bar of this chocolate just because we like it. Um, and they melted it with um, a little bit of coconut oil and like some peppermint or something and turned it into a lip balm. That's very so <laughs> he'd eat the lip bar. Yeah, it sounded like a chocolate bar to me. I was like, I would just eat this with a spoon. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. but, but how is it not? How is it not brown when you have brown lips? <laughs> like, you don't put that much on, Matt. It's just like a little little bit on your lips. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Moderation's never been this thing. This <laughs> <laughs> like was really good. <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't understand. <laughs> I can't remember what I was saying now. Okay, you just kept bringing it back to chocolate I know, like, I every just, time. Like, there's more I, to life, Kevin. The reason I asked about the fibre is so I make like chocolates that we have like and I'll put things like collagen in and a little bit of acacia fibre and some goji berries and like that's how I'll get little bits and bobs that are like oh that's quite helpful that's quite nutritious well, occasionally just, uh, I melt down chocolate and add it so uh, yeah, yeah you can definitely use some fat fibre for that if you want and yeah try it but to be fair, I'll, I'll send you some of that too occasionally you do crack it you know yeah um, but this really, is the problem with, with so the, these are really expensive so I melt down 100% add loads of quite expensive things like collagen goji berries some fibres yeah. and stuff and then I, I put them in chocolate moulds into a nice glass jar in the fridge and I come home and they're all gone. And that's like a day later. <laughs> and I'm like, all that effort, all that work. See, that's not entirely true. I always save at least one or two. <laughs> that literally will be all I'm gone not, I'm in not two an days. <laughs> <laughs> You've got to find some way to like bulk them up for Matt, surely. That's why I was adding like more fibre, but then Yeah, so you could, definitely, you could definitely do that. Like add a few <laughs> tablespoons of that and, uh, for, for his ones. More fat fibre, and then it'll be like I'm never off the loo. <laughs> but you, you, sometimes you got talking about being expensive. Like you have done a few that have just gone wrong, haven't totally, they? Yeah, totally. And you're like, that's probably about thirty quid down the drain right there, <laughs> yeah. with, with all these powders and potions and <laughs> yeah. organic berries and whatnot that's in there. So what I'll do is it goes wrong, and then I melt it all back down, and then just add goji berries, and then you eat it. It's yeah. fine. Add, add, something, <laughs> add something sweet, and it works. Yeah, basically. Sugar solves everything. Yeah. Oh, but mate, I'm really, um, really impressed. I mean, you know, it wasn't that long ago when I mean the last time we spoke to you, it was uh, it was a different Tommy. It was kind of like re, re reapplying for your kind of like PhD presentation or or something. Oh yeah, and yeah. Just like surviving on like two hours kip and ridiculous amounts of caffeine. Yeah, it was nice to be nice to be done with. That. Actually, so many people have like in the last few months. I'm like, oh, you just look so you look so much healthier. Probably because I like managed to find some sun and get some sleep. Oh, um, wow. So yeah, you're right. It was really nice to be done with that. So I guess if I, I finished my PhD, got all of that stuff done. Um, and you thought, you're, you're doing this wrong. You need to say. Then I discovered Hormy tea, and since then, <laughs> and since then I have um, put on ten kilos of lean mass and discovered uh, untapped sexual superpowers. <laughs> I was thinking more like clear skin, but you know, come so, back. Yeah. No, I've actually always had really clear skin, so I never had to worry about that. Well, I mean, in my like when I, not as a teenager, but the last ten years. Well, I love how, you know, kind of like, you know, after the PhD, you, you, you were thinking, oh, I'm glad that's over, you know, I can kick back a little bit and chill and just create two new products. And <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, one of them's published as a paper, so the Fat Fiber is a, is a published, like, study in a, in a journal. No way. Oh, yeah, that's cool. Oh, mate, that's awesome. Oh, I'd, yeah. so I'd, I'd, I'd love to from? get my hands on some. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so go to fatfiber.com, and that's spelled like a, a Brit would spell it, not uh, like an American would spell it. So, but with a, so P-H-A-T-F-I-B-R-E.com, awesome. and you can get some there. But the tea is there. I'll, I'll obviously send you two some with your horny tea. No way. <laughs> and the tea is there as well, or is the tea on Nourish Balance Thrive? So, no, the tea the tea will be at hormetea.com. Okay, so, so that's H-O-R-M-E-T-E-A. not... H-O-R-M-E-T-E-A.com. <laughs> um, but it's not... Uh, yeah, you can go to that website. There will be something there, yeah. uh, depending on when this podcast comes out. Just because we're still we're packaging the first like large, large load, large batch. Yeah, awesome, amazing, oh, nice one, Tommy, mate. Well, thank you for sharing your ventures, culinary adventures with us. <laughs> yeah, I, I couldn't believe. It. I thought Keris was winding me up. She was like, "Tommy's created a tea," and I was like, "What?" It'd be like Tommy's kitchen soon. There'll be Tommy's spices. Tommy tea. Tommy tea. <laughs> Tommy, Tommy tea bag. <laughs> I've got to think of all sorts of nicknames for you now. <laughs> Tommy, you're a legend, mate. Thank you so much for, for coming on once again. Yeah, um, I've lost you. count of how many times me. you've come on the show now. You're a proper fit food podcast resident. Well, our listeners love, love you. It. You're like the resident it's doctor. Yeah. Except that we talk about unsavoury things. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. yeah, not we suitable kind of, for children. We're yeah. kind of way off topic today, weren't we? The tea was savoury. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> but guys, I hope you enjoyed this uh, episode. Um, check out the the websites that uh, Tommy mentioned that I've, I've actually forgotten already. Hormitea.com and um, Fatfiber. Fatfiber.com as well, yeah? Yeah. And that's uh, R-E, not E-R at the end of fiber. Is that correct? That is correct. I didn't even know that that's how Americans spelled it, <laughs> to be fair. Um, and guys, of course, as always, jump on over to iTunes, leave a review, subscribe, share this with anybody that you think uh, would find value in it, and uh, we will see you soon. Thank you. Bye.